0: Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are.
1: This is Kim Reinhardt from Eight Misbehaving Canine. And Laura
2: Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. I thought I was going to start today. <laughs>
0: Whoa!
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> welcome to Doggy Dish. <laughs> uh, yes, welcome to Doggy
1: <laughs> Where Dish. are two crazy trainers just crack each other
2: up. <laughs> and you get to be along for the ride.
1: Okay, so today we're going to talk about toys and puppy class.
2: Yes, because, you know, the reason I wanted to talk about this, Kim, was because there are a lot of puppy classes in the area and there's really only one person that allows toys in the classes because it seems the reason they don't want toys in the classes to prevent resource guarding which I don't
1: understand I agree it's a it's a thought process that I don't agree with I mean I think I understand what they're thinking I understand that they're thinking if there are no toys there then there's nothing to guard but in truth having been around litters of puppies having raised a litter a couple litters including rescue litter of puppies I actually think the exact opposite. I right. think that when there is an abundance of resources the dogs are more likely to just see them as something that are not worthwhile guarding and so actually for young puppies having not just a couple of toys but several toys allows them to switch from toy to toy and kind of take the attention off of their puppies sometimes because if there's no toys then they target all their attention on another puppy they might Especially in a situation where you're not, you're not dealing with a litter, but you're dealing with a bunch of puppies that are strangers to one another.
2: Right. And I understand if, and, and I shouldn't say I don't understand resource guarding, because obviously I, I know. do. Okay. But like you said, I don't understand the logic of it. Because number one, if a dog has a resource guarding issue and a pervasive resource guarder, the resource guarding can show up at, you know, seven, six, seven, eight weeks old. So right. in a puppy class, that's where you would deal with something like that. You don't wait for them to become an adult or an adolescent and then deal with the resource guarding then, you know, you teach them as a puppy that, you know what, there's no need to, like you said, there's an abundance of of resources here, so there's no need to resource guard, and we can teach you how to share, and it would be one thing if you took all of the puppies that came into the puppy class, and you took their personal toys that they brought to class with them, and put them in the middle of the room, although at week five or six, I might do that anyway, Mm
1: -hmm. but... You, or put them d- into the room with the to- with a group of toys. With that the are toys. In the to- exactly. Yeah, in the
2: but, like, the only person who uses toys in her puppy class, she has a bucket of toys. Right. And when the puppies come out to play, she dumps the entire bucket of toys there. Right. So that the puppies learn to share. Right. And then, if there's a resource guarding issue,
1: that's when you deal with it. In raising litters of puppies, I would say that that's how I've always handled it as well, is that you just take quite a few more toys than actually you have puppies Mm -hmm. and you just make sure that there's a ton in there and do puppies sometimes get into, I wouldn't say so much conflict over toys, but some minor conflict over toys, but because there's so many other toys there, it's very easy to get them to think about something else. And so it actually teaches them, Hey, I don't need to get all focused on this and, and really possessive over something because there's such an abundance. I actually would be interested in, seeing a study and I don't know if there's been any done but I would be interested in seeing it or in initiating a study where they actually did study the difference between puppies raised with an abundance of toys versus puppies raised in a deficit of toys or deficit of resources and who is more likely to come up with the resource guarding I'll tell you anecdotally that it feels to me it seems to me that it would be much more likely that you would see that kind of behavior manifest when they don't have access to an abundance, when there is a reason to guard because you don't, maybe sometimes are in a complete deficit. And so then when they get into a situation where they're around toys, they're more likely to say, mine, 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 whereas, you know, less likely if they're just have always been a, an abundance of things around.
2: Right, and this is kind of going off on a resource-guarding tangent, which is fine because right. that's the reason for having toys in a puppy class right. anyway. But one of the other reasons for having toys in a puppy class is because without the toys there, the dogs end up wrestling. Well, they,
1: that's what I'm saying. They, say, end they end up
2: target up, each other. Right, they yeah. target each other. They end up wrestling. And if there is a... I mean, ideally, the age difference in class isn't all that much. But if you have a three-and-a-half-month-old Mastiff puppy, and you also have a three-and-a-half-month-old Yorkshire Terrier puppy in the same class, there's a huge size difference. Right. You know, there may not be a huge developmental difference, but size-wise, there's a huge difference. And so just imagine those dogs not having anything else to focus on other than chasing each other. I mean, I went with a client to another person's puppy class because she couldn't get into the local puppy class that we were talking about, and that was a very... That was taught in a very um there's a very popular puppy class format format thank you very much that a lot of people use and that one does not allow toys and there was a mastiff puppy in that class and there was a small like a maltese or something like that in the class and this dog this poor little dog was being terrorized by this mastiff puppy And the instructor did nothing about it. I mean, the, the Mastiff puppy wasn't doing anything out of the norm, but just the size difference scared the heck out of this poor little Maltese. And the instructor did nothing, Right. you know, which horrified me. Right. And, you know, I would have stepped in instantly and tried to split them up, you know, with sizes. But even so with the bigger dogs, that Mastiff was playing rough and learning to wrestle and play wrestling is actually fighting. I was it's just learning to, say, to fight.
1: I was just going to say that in healthy dog play, there is some play that involves the, your uh, your dog friend, but also in really healthy dog play, in groups of p- dogs that play really well together, a lot of times you will get dogs that will they get an overabundance of energy and they will they will go off and they will exercise or they will uh, express that energy on a toy or something and then come and then re-enter the play when they are in a more you know, less wild or a less heightened mm-hmm. state. And it allows the play to stay friendly between the dogs if you don't have resource guarders. And by the way, I didn't mean to go on a tangent for resource guarding. I was talking about it because that's the reason I think that people don't put toys in.
2: Yeah, and, and I was the one that brought it up, yeah, but I that's wanted to get back only to the reason. toys. Yeah, and, and that's
1: the yeah. only reason. So that's why I was talking mm-hmm. about resource guarding. So I, I don't think it accomplishes, I personally don't think it accomplishes what, what they, think, they it think it accomplishes. And then, unfortunately, it leaves this opportunity open for dogs to target one another and to get this situation where they are over-focused on maybe a particular member of the class. And as you said, you have a larger dog. But it doesn't have to be. There doesn't have to be a size difference. You can just have a personality difference where you have a shyer dog with a more outgoing dog. And there's just really nothing to divert that attention from a very focused state on a particular dog and they end up targeting another puppy Yeah, and you know those experiences that puppies have are very significant when you're that age and you have not a lot of experiences each experience that you have it has great significance much greater significance than an experience that you have at four years old because you don't have anything to balance it against right. or you have a, 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 a very small history of things to balance it against and so you can have a situation like that happen in class and you said you would have interrupted that behavior and the reason being that the puppy that was then getting targeted not only is the puppy that's targeting learning something that we don't want them to know yes the puppy that's getting targeted that can be such a big deal to them that you end up with a puppy that maybe doesn't even though the people think they've done everything right and they've socialized the dog and they got the puppy to puppy class but the puppy in that class didn't learn what you wanted him to learn it, it was one of his very first
2: experiences being exposed to other dogs And he's scared to death. Exactly, exactly. And as far as he's concerned, his person isn't helping him. Right. Because the person is, of course, going with the authority figure in the class, which is the instructor. And if the instructor isn't stepping in, then why should the owner step in and say, hey, excuse me, I don't like the way my dog is being treated. Right. And even though they're young, and most puppy classes only take dogs up to 16 weeks because at 16 weeks old, the puppies kind of lose their puppy license. But I have seen people advertise puppy classes for dogs up to a year and a half, which, okay, socialization is great. But if you don't know what's coming in the door, right and you are allowing anything from seven weeks old up to a year and a half old, there is a huge developmental difference there. And even in a puppy class where it goes up to 16 weeks, if you let a seven-week-old puppy in there and a 16-week-old puppy in there, that is a lot of time. I mean, puppies change a lot between seven weeks old and 16 weeks old.
1: Yes, I agree. And. And I think that comes down to, again, it's a little off topic for what we're talking about specifically here today, but that then comes into, you know, choosing puppy class as well. And that is another thing that we really need to do a a podcast about, Mm -hmm. choosing a puppy class well and what you're looking for in a puppy class and when, as a dog owner, you should step in. But the idea that we were talking about today was specifically centered around toys Mm -hmm. and I think that if you don't do classes or you don't have puppies around toys, you really don't understand what an important role that they play in the social dynamics of a group of, of young dogs. Young dogs are predisposed to play. That's what they want to do. They just want to play like children. They want to play all the time. And if you put a bunch of children in a room and you didn't give them anything to do, they only had each other to interact with, I would bet you money you would see much more conflict than if you have toys, which you even get you even get issues with resource guarding yes. with children. But still, there's nothing to take their attention away from picking on each other or dealing with each other. It's and sort of like Lord of the Flies. I mean, you're kind of leaving them to their own devices, you know, and they're being you think, dogs. Lately, you're thinking everything's a little like Lord of the Flies. Because everything is. You know, I mean, the
2: world is just going to hell. What can I say?
1: (laughs) All the world has become Lord of the Flies for Laura. Because lately, every I say to her, she goes, it's like Lord of the Flies. Well, it's a great analogy. And it's been years since I read it. And I get a little confused every time you say it. Because apparently it wasn't as impactful for me as it was for most of America. And so I've got to go back and read Lord of the Flies now. Because I feel like I'm out of the loop. But anyway, Okay. Hand it over. It's, why is it like Lord of the Flies, Laura? <laughs> well, because they're left to their own devices, and nobody
2: is, you know, it's like nobody is there to step in and say, hey, you know what, we don't do that. That's not, I mean, this kind of goes towards my thing about having an adult dog, which is where I was going to be going next, mm-hmm. was having an adult dog, a good adult dog, in with the
1: puppies, Right, but again, we're going on to puppy classes, and we really want to specifically talk about toys. Right. And the advantages to using toys in puppy class. And one of the advantages just is taking away that social pressure, right? Mm -hmm. Because it allows the puppies to redirect on social pressure. The other thing it takes away, not only social pressure, but it takes away the pressure of learning. Because no matter how much fun you make learning for your dog, there is a certain amount of pressure involved in teaching or in somebody learning something from you. Whenever you're trying to teach something to, to another individual, whether it's a dog, a person, whatever, you're looking for a particular response. And your body language does convey that you're looking for a certain response. And so there is a certain amount of pressure. And I think toys allow puppies to kind of remove themselves from that pressure whenever they need to. I think toys need to be used in a healthy way as well. And I think we need to recognize that a lot of times puppies go off and and relate to toys to relieve pressure. I if you watch a litter of puppies, you definitely see that. You definitely see where a situation becomes a little intense and they'll kind of do this what we would in an adult dog probably call avoidance, where they'll just kind of redirect onto a, a toy not redirect in the sense of aggression, but they'll just redirect their attention onto a a, a toy because they're just removing themselves from the pressure of whatever is going on. There's pressure in every learning situation in in life, by the way. Right,
2: and it could be not just for them, but it could be to take the pressure off of the other dog. Right. You know, off of the other puppy. Because if something starts to get too intense between two dogs, you can see one dog go, okay, I'm going to like not interact with you in that way and i'm going to go over here and i'm going to take the pressure off so they may be redirecting onto the toy just to take the pressure off of the other puppy
1: right which is a really important life skill to learn yes but the other reason i think that probably toys are left out of puppy class is because there is i have heard this expressed this is not my personal view so i may be not uh, representing it as well as i should but i have heard people say well the puppies are there to learn so, we don't want something that's going to pull their attention off of what we're teaching them. We want to be able to get their attention. We don't want to have to compete with so much stuff. But toys, of course, are a great way to teach. <laughs> they are. And
2: I mean, the, the puppies are learning anyway. Yes. And you don't want, I mean, you really can't sit there for an hour teaching your puppy. I mean, it's a puppy. And he needs a break. And even if you think he's just playing with the toys or playing with the other dogs, he's learning. He's learning life skills. He's learning interaction. He's learning social skills. He's learning all of that. I agree.
1: But in some puppy classes, I've seen people uh, allow the dogs some play, some ba- the babies some play, and then they'll pull them over and try to teach them a specific skill, whether it's easy mm-hmm. skills, very, yes. very relaxed, easy skills. And I have heard it said, again, maybe I'm not representing this well because this isn't my own point of view. So I tend to tune out what isn't in alignment with what I believe because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a human being. But anyway, um, but I have heard people say, yes, but, you know, then if I'm trying to teach the puppy sit and the puppy's more interested in the, on the other puppies and the toys, there's so much to compete with, okay, pick up those toys. Pick up a couple of those toys and use those to your advantage when you're trying to teach the puppy something if – what you're using, maybe you're using treats or you're using some kind of, uh, food reward. If that's not working, you can actually use, you can actually observe the puppy during play class right. and, and if, decide what's going to work best for you.
2: Right. And if your puppy is focused on one particular toy mm-hmm. and your toy that you have to try to get his attention and reward him with isn't valuable enough, then go get the toy that he's focused on. And now he's focused on you and the toy. And then you are the giver of the good toy. Right. Right. And then right. that way you're not being the bad guy and pulling him away
1: from the fun he's having with his favorite toy. Right. Absolutely. In fact, I love it when a dog tells me what they want. I'm so happy. You know, I go into a client's house and somebody will say, well, yeah, but he's so interested in this. Great, let's use that. Right. Great. Keep
2: that on a shelf. That belongs to
1: you and it only comes out when you interact and with it. He's giving you a great ideas to how to help him. And, and that goes for adult dogs, but also for babies. Anytime that you're working with babies. The thing... Um, I just think the baby point that Baby dogs, you mean? Yeah, well... Okay. I don't have babies. <laughs> I don't have human babies. I probably will never talk about human babies. We're just going to put that right out For there. For future reference. I'm going to have to
2: put that on the Anytime website. Anytime she says babies, she's talking yeah, about baby, baby dogs. dogs.
1: Baby dogs. So, well, it is about, <laughs> about dogs, but anyway. But so. we do go off on tangents, <laughs> so there's really no telling. That's true. Okay, sorry, sorry. Okay, back to the baby dogs. So... Uh, I think the point being that if you are going to take your puppy into a class and the people uh, that are running the class choose not to use toys, that in these two trainers' opinion, you're actually missing out on something really important. Yes. And a really important thing to have happen in the course of class. Yes. Because there is a very well-known training program that uh doesn't allow toys dictates that there should be no toys right and if you decide to go to something like that then I think the things that you need to be aware of and really watchful of are puppy targeting other puppies because the
2: instructor doesn't step up and say you know let's stop that now if you feel that your dog is being harassed you need to step up and you say hey excuse me you know what I'm not comfortable with this and ask the instructor to fix it because right. that's what should have happened at this class I was in. She finally stepped in and stopped it, but only after this other dog was hiding, cowering, shivering underneath a chair.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, especially in the life especially in the life of a baby dog and depending on their age and how much experience they've had, that can really have a lasting effect. It can have a very lasting effect on them. Yeah. yeah. So all right. So have we covered this sufficiently? Was there yes. anything else you wanted to talk about with toys?
2: Mm, no i just you know i think that people before they even register for a puppy class they should go and observe i do too you know not just talk to somebody on the phone they should go and observe the class
1: i do too i do too all right well thank you for joining us today i'm kim reinhardt with misbehaving canine
2: and this is laura burhenney from animal attraction unlimited thank you for listening
0: You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website, at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.